0: Today, 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 everything changes for you. There is absolutely nothing any of us can do to change our past. But please know that your decision to join us in the purity of our praise unto God, today definitely changes your future. St. Peter United decrees that you are worthy, you are loved, you are accepted, and you have a purpose. We continue our sermon series this week, Gifts That Keep On Giving. Our scripture reading today comes to us from the chapter of John, verse 1. Picking up at verse, John chapter 1, verse 35, excuse me, John chapter 1, verse 35. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, the updated edition. Scripture says the next day John again was standing with two of his disciples and as he watched Jesus walk by he exclaimed look here is the Lamb of God the two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which translates to teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. I wanna preach a few moments this morning about the gift of unbridled curiosity. Please join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, give us all now the eye of the eagle. Help us to see clearly into all of our hopes, joys, fears, and sorrows. Collectively weave our hands to the gospel plow and tie our tongues to truth. Let us hear from you the still-speaking, ever-living God in our midst. This is our prayer in Christ's name, amen. The gift of unbridled curiosity, unbridled meaning uncontrolled, unconstrained, you bridle a horse when you want to control it and to have it be constrained. So we're talking about the freedom to be uncontrollably and unconstrained in our curiosity and in our thinking curiosity a strong desire to know or to learn something today we catch up with jesus and his first disciples his first disciples are hanging out with john on the corner i asked this morning for some common street names and it they could have been hanging out on the corner of said Jensen and Tidwell. They could have been hanging out on the corner of Hillcroft and 59. They could have been on any corner in 3rd Ward or 5th Ward or on the east side. But here they are hanging out with John the Baptist and Jesus goes walking by. And John the Baptist says, look, here is the Lamb of God. And the two disciples leave John, John's two disciples leave him, and they go and follow Jesus. And Jesus says to them, Jesus being curious, what are you looking for? They did not answer with a statement. They answered with a question, and they said, where Are you staying? And so Jesus must have said, oh, they don't know what they're really looking for, so let me just say, come. Come and see. They have questions for Jesus. They don't know what they're looking for. Today, I have some questions too. And I don't quite know what I'm looking for, but I want some answers, and I'm willing to go and see. Last week I preached at Freedom Church, and one of the seven keys that I gave them to moving forward into this year of completion for them is is that, that, that notion of being curious and of asking questions, and I reminded them that we were taught something in school that is so very, very helpful that we don't deploy very often, and that's who, what, where, when, and why. I think that was how they taught me to write some kind of paper, right? They were saying if you're going to write a paper, you need, to, you need to put all of these things in. Who, what, where, when, and why. Today I have questions regarding Tyree Nichols. Who taught those police officers to use that kind of force on an unarmed man? What was going on in the head of five police officers as they engaged in mob violence? What happened to these police officers growing up? Were they bullied or were they the bullies? What kind of complex and psychology goes into the head and the mind of people who have decided that because they are wearing a badge and are operating as an arm of the state, that they have the right to destroy a life? Some people, I think, have called it little man complex. Or I don't. I don't. What, what do you what, what do you say when people have gotten in a uniform because they have no power in their own lives? How do we do we do any psychological assessment on these people like we do on the clergy? And even in the clergy, we know that that ain't good enough in some cases. But are we analyzing why people are deciding to go into this profession? Where were all the people that live in the houses near the intersection where he was murdered? Were they inside scared because if they spoke up, they feared the same thing would happen to them? When did he know he was a dead man? Was it when he saw the flashing lights in his rearview mirror? Or was it when the police were walking up to the car? Or when they asked him to get out of the car? When did he know he was a dead man? Why? Why does nothing change? Why do we keep electing people who are more interested? in saving their own lives and building their pocketbooks instead of defending and standing up for justice of their constituents? James Cone said, reflecting on the work of Reinhold Niebuhr in Moral Man and Immoral Society, he said that groups are notoriously selfish and have limited capacity to step outside of their interests and see the world from another group's standpoint. The will to survive is stronger and so strong that it transmutes easily into the will to power. So in other words, the need to survive, the need to get through life, the need to thrive, often turns into the need to have power. He goes on to say groups use both religion and reason to advance their own interests and to find it nearly impossible to feel the pain of others as vividly as they do their own. And my concern is that this morning I'm probably one of a handful of preachers within a one mile radiance that has decided to say something about what happened. Jesus says to the disciples, Come and see. And what I know from Jesus and what I know from the Scriptures is that Jesus flipped over tables, is that Jesus healed people, that Jesus walked with people, and that Jesus was concerned about the needs of people. If Jesus was not concerned about the needs of people, he would have been baptized at the temple instead of being baptized out at the River Jordan. Jesus was not about going with the status quo. It is so time for us to stand up for a gospel that is about saving lives and not just about saving souls. We all want to have prosperity. We all want to have peace. We all want to rise in this life. But it is of no good if every time you see flashing lights, you worry that this is the last time that you'll breathe. It is a fear above all fears. And some of you may not even know what it feels like. Because you don't know why they're pulling you over. You don't know what's gonna happen. Some of you have no idea. I have no record. I have no warrants. I have served in the military, and I'm a preacher, and I think I have a reputation of ill repute, but I still—because I don't know. I don't know. I have more questions. What would make two seniors, in a matter of seven days, pick up a gun, and go into places where people that look like them and are struggling like them decide to shoot up the place. It has now gone beyond just racial violence. It's now internalized. Anybody now is susceptible to doing it. Who let a six-year-old child out of the house with a gun? Now, in my family, I know this is different nowadays, and I know we, we, we don't discipline children cheering the way we used to discipline them. I know I would not be going back to that class again. Because I would have been laid up somewhere from some broken bones and risk and everything else. Who let that child out of the house with a gun? Who, what, where, when, and why? We don't ask any questions about poverty, who benefits from it why does it exist what are the situations that have determined that certain people are in the condition that they are again are in when will there be some sort of a change why do we keep blaming poor people for being poor What system was created in order for those who have plenty to somehow begin to not think about those who have less than them? What has happened to the gospel that it has been so corrupted that even our influence and our power is blinding us to the needs of those who are crossing a border illegally to get into a country that has deprived their country of wealth? They wouldn't be coming here had we not have been spending time doing stuff elsewhere we should have been doing right here at home. You can get rid of a terrorist across the ocean, but you can't get rid of a cartel in your backyard. Something is wrong. Who has sanctioned it? Why is it sanctioned? And why is it okay here? Monica Coleman, a great process theologian, she says that God is with us in the midst of all of these things. And we've grown up with a theology and an understanding of God that makes us say, God, please fix this. God, please help me. God, please come now. Even even in some of our songs when we're saying, God, I want to be where you are. But see, I've I've rewritten the theology behind the song in my mind. When I'm singing, God, I want to be where you are, it is motivating me to work towards what God desires here on earth. I don't have to wait on heaven. God is here now. I have work to do now. When I say I want to be where you are, it's a a proclamation that I am going to follow you and do what I can to make the world what it is supposed to be. That I'm going to do the work that is necessary. I want to be where you are, and I want all people to feel your glory. I want all people to feel freedom. I want all people to feel justice. I don't want anybody to be like this behind the wheel anytime they get pulled over. I want to be where you are, is God now, God present now, not later. Monica Coleman says God is present, and so if we can tap in in our suffering and in our pain, if we can tap into opportunities now that are present for us, but we cannot find the opportunities without asking. The right questions. We've been left asking the wrong questions. Last night I got to thinking about the idea of what does it mean to journey through this life and go through this life and what does it mean to have all these questions in, in, my, in, in our lives and, and the imagery of, because I was like, God, give me, I need, like, what is something that is familiar to all of us and that we connect to? And I thought about The Wiz. And, well, some of you know The Wiz, some of you don't. So I'll say The Wiz and The Wizard of Oz. That way, that, that should cover everybody. Is there, everybody. Everybody's seen The Wizard of Oz, and, and most of us have seen The Wiz. And it got me thinking about Dorothy being on her quest. And as she's going on her quest to find herself, she runs across the scarecrow. And she asks questions like, who are you? What do you want? Where do you want to go and why? Then she runs across the tin man. She asks the same questions. Then she runs across the line. She asks the same questions. It is her questions that allow them to, I got to do this again, ease on down the road and follow the yellow brick road. Am I being bilingual enough this morning? It it is her questions that allowed her to ease on down the road and to follow the yellow brick road. Without her asking questions, she could not move through her quest. And so today, it is incumbent upon us, not just in our personal life, but also in our political life and in our communal life, to start asking questions. Part of your suffering is not just because you don't have it right up here. It's also because it has been rigged so that your particular situation you can't break out of. Dorothy is on a quest. She finds herself. She finds heart. She finds mine. She finds courage. In your personal life today, are you asking the right questions as we prepare to leave January? And you're probably thinking, I've been doing everything in every sermon and trying to follow everything and reading the right books. Are you asking the right questions regarding your life? Who what where when and why i would submit to you that your current condition is probably not the context that is conducive to your calling your current condition is not the context that is conducive to your calling you see You've been asking questions about your conditions. I'm broke. I don't like this job. I wish my credit was better. I don't like my spouse. Why did I marry them? Why is my family like this? Why am I having... You've been asking a lot of why questions about your condition. But God is saying you need to be asking questions about your context. Perhaps your context, i.e. your family system, is not a system that is going to be conducive to allowing you to get to where you need to get to. This does not mean that you need to leave your family behind and forget about them, but you probably need to ask questions about how am I going to live and shape my life and limit my interaction with this context. How am I going to excel beyond where my family started? Why is it that I can't get a degree? Why is it that I can't get into trade school and get no financial aid funding? Why is it that I seem to keep getting set back? What is it about me that keeps attracting the same kind of person? What is it about the place that I frequent that keeps getting me into situations where I wake up next to somebody and wonder, how did this happen? Where is it that I go that is not helpful to get me to where I really want to go? There have been too many why questions about your condition and God is asking us to look beyond the condition to ask questions about how to get into the context that is conducive to our call. I could sit here and say, well, why did this happen? Why did these shootings happen? Why are these things going on? Oh, Lord, why? why? And we all know the answers to these questions really never come. But when we start asking questions about the context, then we can start critiquing what it is and understand where we want to really be at. The context may not be conducive to your call. I'm almost done. I know it's not the rabble-rousing, I can go get my best life when I leave here today kind of sermon. But if you are listening, if you are listening, if you are listening, this is about helping us get to our best life. You see, the challenge is we all want something. We want something. We want something to be better. Now i got to go on this tangent. We want something to be better. We want our lives. We want all these things to happen, but we don't want to be told the truth. We really don't want answers to the questions about ourselves so that we can be as successful as we really want to be. And since we won't answer the questions about ourselves, we ask the questions about other folks and answer the questions about other people. When really you need to be minding your own business and asking questions about yourself to help get you out of your situation. If the sermon is rough for you today, that's an indication to me that you're not doing the work in your own life. Because if you're doing the work in your own life, then I should have a few more amens in here. Because when you are doing the work, it is hard. And I am not going to be the preacher that ignores what's happening outside of these doors and act like it has nothing to do with any of us. If you have not recognized, I have, that even now, I can't even trust my own race in a uniform. If you have not been more traumatized in the last couple of weeks, something is wrong, and I want you to get some help. There is work. That has to be done. And some of our freedom is bound up in other people's freedom as well, too. (laughs) Dr. King said, one of the great needs of mankind is to be lifted above the morass of false propaganda. One of the greatest needs of mankind is to be lifted above the morass of false propaganda. (laughs) What false propaganda exists? Well, why is it that it's only black people or people with dark skin that are in the textbook next to the paragraph regarding crime? What is the color of the people in the videos and in the simulation trainings when the police officers are doing their training for their job? What is the color? I don't know, Sid, you're doing criminal justice. What is the color of the people you've seen in your textbooks as you're doing the work for studying for criminal justice? Are they they mostly people of color? They're mostly people of color. Why? See, question, why? The problem with the way it is set is that it is false propaganda. It's fascinating to me that we want to now ban black history in schools and ban anything that has to do with the LGBTQ community, yet we want to leave in that crime is something that is associated with black people. That's fascinating. Just fascinating to me. Why is, it, why is it a problem? Why is this? Why is it? Because we've gotten too far. God is moving us to a place that is beyond a racial construct, that is beyond all of these earthly identities, and it is well known in the science and the numbers that this is where we are headed. And now folks are acting out. And somebody, who I shall not name, just ripped the band-aid off of what was already underneath the hood. One of the great needs of mankind is to be lifted above the morass of false propaganda. What false propaganda do you believe about yourself? I know it's hard, because when you look on TV, you see nothing but black people who are committing the crime. so it is easy for you to internalize within you that because of your skin color that you may feel as though you're constantly a criminal and that they are out to get you, but that is false propaganda. You may feel as though you're a white person and you're afraid to really walk up to a black person and say, I see you, I feel for you, and I'm going to do better, but don't be afraid. That is false propaganda. We need you now like we haven't needed you before. There may be false propaganda that you're hearing that you'll never be any better, you'll never do any better, you can't reach your calling, you can't reach your destiny, but that is false propaganda. You may be paying attention to statistics and say, well, there's not too many black preachers or gay preachers. That is false propaganda. God will make a way out of no way if you'll just continue to ask the right questions. I was determined that my context was not going to define me, that I was not going to be held back because I was a black gay preacher in Houston. I said I can become a celebrity black gay preacher right here in Houston, Texas. I don't have to be in New York. I don't have to be in California. I don't have to be in Miami. All I have to do is be myself right here in Houston, Texas. It is false propaganda. Somebody said to me, somebody asked me, they said, is he black, he's gay, and he's a pastor, and he's married, and he's in Houston, Texas? Yes, sir, Bob, I am. Because it is false propaganda that we can't break out of our context. It is a lie. Let me put it in language some of you can understand. It's a lie from the pit of hell you can go beyond your context. (laughs) I know, I know that we don't want to ask the tough questions. We don't want to stick our nose where it, well, yes, we do want to stick our nose where it don't belong. We need to be sticking our nose where it does belong. And that's in the business of the sovereignty of God. Because in the sovereignty of God, everybody has freedom. Everybody has freedom. Everybody has liberty. And nobody is trying to infringe on anybody else's liberty and freedom. See, that's a good question to ask. What does freedom mean to you? Because clearly to some people, freedom is about them being free and not you being free. What does power mean to you? Because to some people, it's about them having power and you not having power. I, am, I know I'm on several tangents this morning. I, y'all are just going to have to bear with me. But it just, it just like, it's like we're in the 1800s. We're now banning books. We might as well take the books outside the school and set them on fire. This is like the 1800s. We just might as well take books off the shelf and set them on fire in the middle of the parking lot. We're just sophisticated now. We ban them. the gift of unbridled curiosity. We may look at life today quizzically, but it is the questions that shape our quest. We're on a journey just like Dorothy, to find more heart, more courage, Some of us are still looking for a brain. We're on a quest just like Dorothy. And only asking the right questions will help us ease on down the road. I can't figure out if there's a quest without questions or if there's no questions without the quest. I can't figure out which one it is, because quest, you know, it's in both words. I can't figure out if it's, if it's the quest itself that brings the questions, or is it the questions that brings the quest. But I do know that there is no easing on down the road without questions to move us down the road and along the way. You can be quizzical all you want, but questions are quintessential to your quest. You can be quixotic all you want, but questions are quintessential to your quest. You can be as fast as quicksilver, but questions are quintessential to your quest. You may think that you are one in quintillion and you're so special that you don't have to worry about it, but questions are still quintessential to your quest. You may think you're full of quirkiness and none of this stuff applies to you, but I'm here to remind you that questions are still quintessential to your quest. It is time for some of us to become the quiz master. You know, you used to get afraid in school when they would say, pop quiz. You need to show up in your life and start saying, I got a pop quiz today for y'all. I got a pop quiz for my life today. Who, what, where, when, and why? Where am I going? When am I going to get there? How am I going to get there? Who should I know? It is time to become a quiz master in your own life don't just let life happen to you in the community and in your life become the quiz master it's your life and we are living this life collectively it's time for us to ask on the micro the macro level who what where when and why because it is the questions that will get us through this quest together and even when we don't have the answers at least at least we have each other we have each other Jesus is called Emmanuel God with us perhaps We need to understand that God is with us, still today, in you, in you, in you, in you, in you. For me, you are God with me. Together, we move through this. And I believe that if we ask the right questions, we will see the glory of God in our generation. We will see the glory of God in our generation. I also know that we have to work for a future that we just might not see together, but we have to leave it better than when we found it. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Let us now join our hearts together in prayer. amazing god god of grace god of justice god of peace god of hope help us to understand that your glory is not just about the cars we drive it's not just about the homes we live in it's not about the, just about the clothes that we wear, it's not about the cologne we wear, it's not about if we're in fashion or not in fashion, but that your glory is about your sovereignty. It's about a place in which everybody can say, we are so glad to be here, God, with where you are, a place in which we are free, a place in which we are whole, A place in which (laughs) we'll finally be able to say all lives matter. (laughs) God, give us the strength to not just focus on ourselves, But to also understand that we are part of a larger narrative. That in all of our getting and all of our striving and in all of our desire to thrive and all of our needing to, to work on our mental health and our physical health, God, help us to see that you are calling us to also be the voice for the voiceless and hope for the hopeless. Let every door that we open be a pathway for others to follow. Remind us to put the doorstep down so that others can follow in our footsteps. God, when the disciples were following Jesus, Jesus said to them to come and see. Today, God, we hear Jesus' invitation clearly. We're gonna go, and we will see. We will see your glory, your justice, and your peace. We trust in you, God with us, ever-present. Be in our questions. Be with us on our quest. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.